You do make all things new, Lord, and it it melts our hearts. We are overwhelmed by your kindness. So come and bring fresh life again to each one of us today, Lord Jesus. We are we are so grateful. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Bring that tenor, Tyson. Awesome. The Lord is risen. Okay, you know we have people that are going to be in heaven in every language, tribe, and tongue, and every race. <laughs> and we're going to practice that a little bit this morning. So I'm going to have some people, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to see how many languages we can draw out this morning of the Lord is risen, Okay. So I'm just going to start with one Indonesian. Isang masih dibagikan. Okay, I need one Spanish speaker. There we go. The Lord is risen. Stand up and get it. it out, Lord. Resucitado. Thank you. Okay, is there a Russian speaker in here somewhere? There we go. Okay, I'm in agreement now. Okay. Woo! Where is the little fish? I think. There we go. If you know the language, you can respond. Excellent. Christos and Esti. John Marianne. He's kind of he's an imposter. <laughs> More languages. Somebody else out there. Anything. Give me something. Hey, what is it? Hungry. Hungry. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Give me two more. Like we're gonna push the edge. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Woo! Is there a German response here? No? Okay, we're good. One more. Yes, they're not getting to it back there. What language? Afrikaans. Excellent. Praise the Lord. The Lord is risen. Well, this is a delightful day. This is a wonderful day. And um, I'm going to finish up somewhat and move on a little bit from the messages that Jeff has had over the course of the last couple of months. And the, the, the topic today, believe it or not, is death, burial, and resurrection. <laughs> I've, uh, I've preached strange things every once in a while on major holidays, and so my wife was a little bit nervous of what topic I would come up with. <laughs> you know, it's like, today it's Easter, we're going to learn about pride. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but no, that's not today. It's Resurrection Day. And uh, it's interesting, uh, for those of you who would like a little glimpse of an overview, half, almost half of the book of John happens in one week. John 12, Palm Sunday, Jesus coming in, 
13 through 17 is the uh, upper room, that time that Jesus had with his disciples. And, and in 18 through 23 is the, is the trial, the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So this is a very uh, powerful section of scripture. There's more words in red in uh, John 13 through 18 than anywhere else, I think, in an intensive passage in the New Testament. The words of Jesus. And so this is him telling about himself and, and recorded for us. So, death, burial, and resurrection. What is this about? This is how God works. If we want to understand the ways of God. We have to understand that he works through death, burial, and resurrection. The first part of this, there's no death unless there's a promise. You know, that first, it was everything that was wonderful and perfect in the earth. God made Eden, put man in there and said, it is good. And then we experienced death. Man chose to live his life on his own. He said, I'll meet my own needs and entered into death. The Old Testament, if you've ever read through the Old Testament, it's a painful story. You keep going, oh, oh, I did it again. Oh, I can't believe that. That's that burial and death process. And then Jesus coming, breaking forth on this earth and his own death brought resurrection life. And we all have microcosms of that in our own experience. But I'm going to bring up a couple of different pictures of this in, uh, in the Word of God. So death. First, we, uh, we have the promise, and then <clears throat> death is the death of the promise. It's the loss of all hope. And burial is that place between death and resurrection. Sometimes it's one night, sometimes it's months, sometimes it's years of our life that we're in a burial process. And uh, again, these illustrations from the Old Testament will, will break this out a little bit better. But where the darkness is the darkness, that's where the light will then shine the brightest. And this last week, how many of you went to uh, a uh, Good Friday service that was very solemn? Anybody in here? That was all about setting the stage, saying it was dark, it was hopeless. All the dreams that the disciples had were crushed. And then Resurrection Sunday came. In the Old Testament, we see this example in the life of Abraham. He got an incredible promise. His wife didn't have children. They lived this way up until their 80s. And what happened? God said, I will make you into a great nation. Powerful promise. You're going to have children like the stars of the sky. And we know that's happened. But in that point in his life, it was burial. It was painful. It was a long season, years of his life, before he saw this happen. And then... There was, a, there was a, a birth that happened, a fulfillment of a promise. He had a son. And then something else happened. And this is, again, the ways of God. God brings us to a, he gives you a promise, and then he brings you to a place of laying down that promise. So that it is him that fulfills it. He brings you to a place of impossibility. And it's painful. Emotionally, 
to walk through death and burial. But the other side of that is that it's not on you anymore. The one who gave the promise is fulfilling the promise by his power and his grace. We see in the, in the story of Joseph, that was uh, part of the series, the first part of this year. Great promise. You're going to have all of this authority. You know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a great promise to his family. He's telling his brothers, you know, you're all going to bow down before me. Even my parents are going to bow down before me. Uh, but what happened? He was sold into slavery. He was put into jail. jail. And that intense season of years of his life, ultimately, there was a resurrection that happened. And the process, the result of that, was that he did not live in his own authority. But he lived in the authority of God. There's two principles here. First, in the life of Abraham, you cannot inherit the promise of the Father until you die to fulfilling your own plans and dreams in your own strength. In the life of Joseph, we see, you'll not have real authority until you die to your right to be vindicated for all of the injustices in your life. The people that are vindicating themselves are going to punish people when they gain authority. But the people that allow God to vindicate them are the ones that will be gracious when they come into authority and be forgiving and be kind. In the life of David, same thing, amazing promise. He's out in the fields and God <clears throat> speaks to Samuel, says there's somebody, there's one of the sons of uh, this man that are going to be king. And so he looks at all the sons, he's not there, and said there's got to be somebody else. Well, there is one, he's out in the field. And he says, <clears throat> he anoints him. Samuel took the horn, it says, in 1 Samuel 16, 13, and anointed him in the presence of his brother. Everyone knew when Sam, who Samuel was. And they knew when Samuel anointed someone, it wasn't to be a shepherd, it was to be king. Amazing promise. And then he starts moving out in the grace of that promise, kills Goliath. He, starts, he, he becomes best friend with the king's son. It's interesting. I saw this. You know how old? Uh, we see this Jonathan David thing. You know, two buds growing up as teenagers. Jonathan was 57 when he died, and David was 30 at the point of Jonathan's death. Interesting relationship, but best friends happening right there. He married the king's daughter. He was an amazing leader. He was, he was the, the up and coming one. And then. God brought about a death in his life. And a uh, fascinating thing. An evil spirit came on the king. Starts throwing spears at David while he's in his house. You know, it's like, I don't think he likes me anymore. <laughs> Spent seven years fleeing from him in the desert. Armies coming. And all through that time, what did David do? He was laying down his rights to the authority. He was laying down his life. Refused to kill Saul, even though he's given a clear opportunity a couple of times. And then God gave him authority. So the last principle is that you cannot be David until the Saul in you is killed. Until the what is in you, what we see in the life of Saul, was, was 
fear and control and selfish ambition and jealousy. And that's what came to death in David as he got chased around in the wilderness. In our own lives, we've been through several different seasons of death, burial, and resurrection. The most recent one's been the last three and a half years of our life. About three and a half years ago, we started having the impression that major transition was happening. Turned 50, felt like I, something new was coming. My children are graduating and leaving home. And everyone has a different experience when that starts happening. And for me, that was incredibly painful. I loved having my four kids close to me, dinners and everything that happened, every stage of their life, elementary school, their preschool, elementary, junior high, high school. I, I reveled in every soccer game. I reveled in every solo at, at, the, at the different Christmas concerts. I, I loved the banter that we had around our table. And as we slowly lost that, I felt like I died. I lost. I, we saw a season of our life was over. It was sweet, but it was gone. And I, I just moved emotionally into a strange place and felt really confused. And then some things that I thought were going to happen, some hopes that I thought were going to come true, doors started closing in my life. going on. For many of you, you may have, uh, well, it's about every 10 years in our life. Actually, if you can, I know people that research doubt, there's seasons of transition. Coming out of college, entering into your 30s, entering into your 40s, entering into your 50s, even in your 60s. Those transitions often are surrounded by death, burial, and resurrection. A place where what you had hoped for it's kind of become cloudy for a season. And God begins to work deeply in your life for a greater purpose in His character and really also a greater purpose for you. When we arrived here in Boston, I was actually uh, at one of the lower points in my life. We had a meeting with uh, a number of leaders and, you know, you sit down in a group of people and they're excited. So many people are warm and gracious and loving. And them. oh, wow, we are so honored. We're so glad to be here. And I thought, what am I doing here? <laughs> Some of you may have asked that same question. What is this guy doing here? <laughs> <clears throat> and I didn't know. It just felt like God said, this is where we're supposed to be. And Sean Richmond spoke to me and he said, in front of a group of people, God is leading you to death, burial, and resurrection. Spring is going to bring new life and strength and purpose. And I just want to tell you, it's true! I have a new level of energy that is scary to those that are close to me. <laughs> John says amen real loud. <laughs> I am thrilled to be here in Boston, in New England, to see what God is doing. 
so many of your lives. I am surging with new hope and vision for this community and the churches that are connected to us. But I couldn't be here until God works something deeply out in my own life. It requires death, burial, before you get resurrection. Let's look. If you've got a Bible with you, I want to take you through the most amazing process in history. I'm not sure if I've got this up here. The John passage is coming next. At different seasons of my life, I felt like I was dying. And the Lord said, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. Much fruit will come. That's what a seed does. A seed contains much more in it than is seen. It's like a, a, a tremendous multiplication. Out of one corn seed, how many seeds come out? Hundreds, thousands on each one of those kernels that come forth of a, a, a head of corn, an ear of corn. Not a farmer. <laughs> so on Sunday, Palm Sunday, and I don't know that I have these, these passages here, so look in your Bibles. <clears throat> John 12. This was no mere man that comes riding into Jerusalem. You know, in your work, you may say, hey, we got a new boss, the old guy that was totally messed up, he's gone. It's a new day! We're excited! We got a new coach! It's a new day! They were not cheering on a new leader. They were cheering on the fulfillment of all of the hopes of their people for thousands of years. The disciples are walking in and they're saying, about time. Everything. Everybody's seen it. He's the, he's the Son of God. He's, he's above all. So how high were they at that moment? And what happens over the course of this coming week? The greatest emotional roller coaster of all time. By the end of the week, they're scattered. They've seen Jesus say things that are confusing to them as they sat around the table and say, He told them, I'm, I'm going to be crucified. You're all going to leave me. One of you is going to betray me. They're just going, what is going on? They go. Jesus calls three of them from Jerusalem down through the Kidron Valley and up to the Mount of Olives to pray. You can look back over Jerusalem from that point because that mountain is higher than the city. And he's crying. And his disciples are like, what is going on? They're, they're getting the sense that 
everything is no longer good. Judas comes with a group of soldiers, kisses Jesus, they take him away. Peter says, I'll defend it. He cuts off the, the high priest slave's ear. Then Jesus heals the ear. You know, what in the world's going on? They take him away. Then a few of them follow him to, into the courtroom, which is a courtyard. And he's accused. His beard is plucked out. He's mocked. They put a crown of thorns on his head. Peter finds himself betraying Jesus. Everything that they've ever imagined, it's, it's beyond their worst nightmare. As he's taken up to a public crucifixion. It was the, the hanging, the electrocution, it was the, the public death of that day that was the grossest thing. It was not a beautiful, nice, perfectly perpendicular, pretty board that he, they watched him nailed to something. Tree limbs wrapped together. And he died. They go away. And they're hiding. They think they're going to be arrested too. They think they're going to be killed also. One of the people that is a secret follower, Joseph of Arimathea, goes and says, can I have his body to bury him? Yet, a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. Nicodemus, the guy that we see in John chapter 3, gets a bunch of spices because they don't embalm people at these times. You have spices to cover the odor. Preparing a dead body. A huge rock is put over this tomb and it's sealed. And it's dark. Everything they've ever imagined that was good is now gone. From the greatest dreams they ever saw to life is over. Judas commits suicide. Then on the third day, Mary Magdalene, it was a prostitute, was the first one. He who has been forgiven much, loves much. She experienced death and hell in her life. And Jesus came and brought her resurrection. So who was first at the grave? The prostitute. Grave's empty. She runs back and says, he's not there. Peter and John run. They don't find him. They go away. And she's wandering around. You can just imagine her head swirling. Here's Mary Magdalene. And she thinks there's this guy here that's the gardener. And she says, where have you laid him? 
and he speaks out her name. And she knows the voice that is speaking that name. And she wraps herself around him. He's risen! That's what we're about today. The resurrection of Jesus. He appears to his disciples. He goes to Thomas. says, stick your hand right in here, Thomas. And he ascends. He's on earth. We see the book of Acts in the first chapter. And they're dealing with all of this. They spend days between the crucifixion and Acts chapter 2, Pentecost Sunday, just seeking God and soaking in the awareness of this resurrection and the full release of this power comes to a new magnitude in Acts chapter 2. Death, burial, and resurrection. All of history hinges on this story. Every good story we have is death, burial, and resurrection. Great dreams. Dreams shattered. And then it comes back. The hope that they thought is actually realized. And all those stories are based on this story. All of those stories are a shadow of this story. This is the great story. I'm going to close in this next few minutes and tell you that this is, this is your story. If you've never come to a place in your life where you realize there is one God, one creator, one who is above all. Jesus is God. And the question is, is he your Lord? He is Lord of all creation, but He's given us the ability to reject Him. And if you've ever had, if you're not aware that you have that opportunity, we just want to give you that opportunity right now to be a part of this story. There's a few very significant verses we know. That all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it says in Romans. Chapter 5. And that sin, just like Adam, choosing, we're going to meet our own needs. I'm all set. Don't need anything. I'm good. I can take care of myself. You come to a place in death to yourself where you say, I need help. I need the grace of God on my life. I can't do this. Because the wages of sin is death. It brings, sin brings us, our weakness brings us, our impossibilities, the, the failure in our life bring us into a, actually a clear picture of reality that we, we can't do it. And then Ephesians 2 is the good news. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. 
And this is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Death, burial, and resurrection comes when we surrender all of our ambition, all of our hopes, all of our dreams, and we lay it in Jesus' hands and say, here's my life. If that's you, I'd like us all to close our eyes just a moment right now. You're saying, I want to receive the new life that Jesus has for me. I want to let go of everything that I've been clinging to and trying to do this on my own. And I want you, Jesus. I want to give you my life. I want your resurrection life. Would you just put your hand up right now? Because I want to pray with you. This is a chance to respond to him. No one clearly responding to that, but it may be you. And I encourage you to talk to someone that was here with you this morning and say, I I just want to share a little bit of what's going on inside me. Open up your story to them. You can open your eyes right now. Open up your story to someone and tell them what's going on. They probably know how to respond and walk with you. I want all of us to stand up right now. you're in a place of transition or you're in a low place you're in the death and burial phrase of your life right now just a season you're in what Jesus is asking is you to just say I give you everything he's he you've given him your life but you're saying, you know what? Another door is opened up. There's, there's more, Lord. I want you to have even more of me. And that's how you move into resurrection. That's how you move into the new season. As our worship team comes, comes up right now, I want to pray with some of you. Giving your heart to Jesus, but you're you're in a kind of a complicated window right now. Maybe that you're holding something back, or or that you don't even know what you're holding back. But you need a you need a breakthrough, and today's that day. Today's a day for God to come and bring fresh resurrection in your life. As we worship. I want you to to open up your heart. Just extend your hands to Jesus and say, here it is. Here's my life. Here's the situation. Here's my fears. Here's this place that seems dark. And I put it in your hands, Jesus. I give you everything that I am. Let's do that right now.
as you're worshiping. Just extend your hands to him. Some of you may want to be prayed for specifically. Some of our prayer teams can come to the front. We'd like to pray with you. If there's anything that I've shared this morning, or something that I haven't shared, but God's been talking to you, and you want to respond, you want someone to walk with you in that, that's what we do. We pray for each other. So we worship, you respond to Jesus by giving him it. Whatever it is that he's addressing in your life, and or some of you can, can pray with any of these people. We trust them. We know that they'll they'll be very caring in their prayers for you.